Alright, this evening we will be in Deuteronomy chapters 2 and 3. Last time we were together uh, in Deuteronomy, we covered uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, and of course Deuteronomy chapters 1, 2, and 3 are Moses recounting um, essentially the past uh, 40 years in many regards um, of the Israelites as they have come out of Egypt rescued by the strong hand, strong right arm of the Lord out of Egyptian slavery. And uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, it was the early portion of their trek (coughs) away from Sinai after they had received uh, the law, the book of the covenant, uh, and they traveled uh, to um, Kadesh Barnea, uh, just south of the land of Canaan, and were commanded by God to go into the land of Canaan, which God had promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis uh, 15, some 400 odd years earlier. And of course, Moses was recounting at that time <coughs> how Israel uh, asked for spies to go into the land. And those spies, 10 of the 12 spies, brought back a bad report. And so Israel manifests itself in unbelief at that time. That generation of Israelites that the Lord rescued out of Egyptian slavery. And because of their unbelief, (coughs) and because they had tested the Lord 10 times, according to Numbers chapter 14, verse 22, uh, God uh, said to them, you can see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 34, then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, (coughs) shall see see the good land which I swore to give your fathers, except Caleb and also Joshua. Um, So only uh, at this time when Moses is speaking in Deuteronomy, uh, the only two uh, men of war fighting age at that time who remain are Joshua uh, and Caleb. And of course um, Moses is speaking to a brand new generation of Israelites. And so that is why Moses is recounting their history. As we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 2 this evening, um, Moses will be recounting to this generation of Israelites some of the events that have very recently happened and events that we uh, recently covered in our study uh, of numbers, uh, most, mostly in, uh, in and around Numbers chapter 21. And so we will cover uh, both chapters tonight. Uh, you can get certainly more details uh, in the previous uh, series on numbers. Um, there's there's a few things there that we'll mention <clears throat> this evening, uh, but you can find all of that out on sermon audio. So, um, in Deuteronomy chapter two, picking up in verse one, this is Moses speaking to the Israelites. Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by way to the Red Sea, as the Lord spoke to me, and circled Mount Seir for many days. So this is the Israelites being turned away from the land of Canaan, after they have uh, been told by God that they will not go in. And so this is 38 years earlier, 38 years earlier, right, that Moses is talking about them turning away from Canaan and toward the Red Sea. And now we pick up in verse 2 
um, and three, and we'll see that this is actually uh, moving forward in the life of Israel 38 years. Verse 2. And the Lord spoke to me, saying, You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north and command the people, saying, You will pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not provoke them, for I will not give you any of their land, even as little as a footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession." You shall buy food from them with money so that you may eat, and you shall also purchase water from them with money so that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all that you have done. He has known your wanderings through this great wilderness. These forty years the Lord your God has been with you. You have not lacked a thing. So we passed beyond our brothers, the sons of Esau who live in Seir, away from the Arabah road, away from Elath and from Ezion-Geber. And we turned and passed through by the way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, nor provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the sons of Lot as a possession. Then there's a parenthetical beginning in verse 10. The Emim lived there formerly, a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. Like the Anakim, they are also regarded as Rephaim, but the Moabites call them Emim. The Horites formerly lived in Seir, but the sons of Esau dispossessed them and destroyed them from before them and settled in in their place, just as Israel did to the land of their possession, which the Lord gave to them. End of parenthesis. Verse 13, this is uh, Moses speaking. Now arise and cross over the brook Zered yourselves. So we crossed over the brook Zered. Now the time that it took for us to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over the brook Zered was 38 years until all the generation of the men of war perished from within the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. Moreover, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from within the camp until they all perished. Verse 16, So it came about when all the men of war had finally perished from among the people that the Lord spoke to me, saying, You shall cross over Ar, the border of Moab, today. And when you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them nor provoke them. For I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the sons of Lot as a possession. Parenthetical in verse 20. It is also regarded as the land of the Rephaim, for Rephaim formerly lived in it, but the Ammonites call them Zamzamin, a people as great, numerous, and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they dispossessed them and settled in their place, just as he did for the sons of Esau, who live in Seir, when he destroyed the Horites from before them. And they dispossessed them and settled in their place even to this day. And the Avim, who live in villages as far as Geza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and lived in their place. End of parenthesis. Arise. And I'll stop there at the end of verse 23. So, what we see here is God leading the Israelites 38 years after the original time that he had led them to Canaan. God is now leading them back to Canaan. He's going to lead them uh, up from the southeast of Canaan. He's going to lead them up the east side of the Jordan. So uh, I'm going to share my screen uh, with you here. This is a pretty common uh, map. If you have a study Bible, uh, you can see um, how the land of Israel and also the land to the east side of the Jordan is apportioned. And so basically, uh, 
what we just read is we see Israel starting down here south of Edom, coming out essentially out of the Arabian Desert from the Red Sea. And they're moving up through Edom, and they're moving through Moab. That's what we just read. And so that's uh, what we saw. And of course, God commands them to pass through Edom. If you go back um, early in uh, chapter 2, um, verse beginning in verse 4, you will pass through the territory of your brothers, the sons of Esau. That is Edom. Okay, And they are related, obviously, to the Israelites going all the way back to um, Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau. So because Esau and his descendants, the Edomites, are blood relatives of Israel, God has told the Israelites to essentially leave Edom alone. Okay, and that land that of Edom that's down here in the map that you can see, or if you have a, um, a study Bible, you can see it on the map in front of you perhaps, um, that land was given by God, and if you would like to go back and see where and how that land was given by God to Edom, uh, you can go back and see that in Genesis chapter 36, verse 8. That is where Mount Seir is given to Esau as a possession. And so Israel is commanded simply to pass through peacefully the land of Edom. And then in verse 9 of Deuteronomy chapter 2, uh, they are commanded to pass through uh, Moab. And you can see that here on the, uh, on the map as well, which is just north of the, uh, the land that has been given to the Edomites. And in verse 9, Then the Lord said to me, Moses speaking, Do not harass Moab, nor provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the sons of Lot as a possession. And so Israel is commanded to pass through the land of Moab peacefully, because the Moabites are descendants of Lot. Right, And if you remember, going all the way back to Genesis chapter 19, verse 37, Lot is the nephew of Abraham. And so again, they are, the Israelites are related by blood to the Moabites, and so God commands them to pass through Moab peacefully and not to give them any trouble. Now there's a couple of parentheticals in here. The first one we found was in verses 10 through 12. The second one we saw begins in verse 20 and runs down through 23. And so Moses here is giving us some uh, historical commentary of how Moab and Ammon got to be where they did. Um, I note here that uh, in verse 11 and uh, other places, the word Rephaim, there is the Hebrew word for giants. And so... um, Part of, I believe, why Moses is giving uh, uh, the Israelites these parentheticals at this time is to convince the Israelites that uh, when God decides that he wants to displace people, um, he can do that, even if they are giants and we, our army, uh, is not. And so uh, there's a little bit of a confidence builder here uh, that it was uh, decided by God that the, uh, the giants, the Horites who lived in Seir, uh, would be dispossessed by the descendants of Esau. And those same Rephaim that are mentioned in verse 20 were also dispossessed uh, by the sons of Ammon, which we will get to here momentarily. And so we see um, in verse 13, Moses, now arise and cross over the brook Zered yourselves. And so the Zered River, it's difficult to read, but it's down here. Okay, Um, And so they're passing up now through Moab. 
And in verse 14, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning, that this is 38 years after the original visitation of the Israelites to the south end of Canaan, when they at that time were turned back because of their unbelief. And then in verse 16, it came about when all the men of war of Israel who had manifested unbelief had finally perished from among the people that the Lord spoke to me saying, you shall cross over Ar, the border of Moab today. And when you come opposite the sons of Ammon, do not harass them nor provoke them for I will not give you any of the land of the sons of Ammon as a possession because I have given it to the sons of Lot as a possession. And so you can again go back to Genesis chapter 19 verse 38 and uh, we see that the Ammonites are also descendants of Lot and so uh, blood relatives of the Israelites. And so again, Israel is commanded not uh, to um, give the Ammonites any trouble. And so what we see here is that God told Israel to pass peacefully through Edom because they are blood relatives of Israel, to pass peacefully through Moab because they are blood relatives of Israel, and to pass peacefully through the land of Ammon because they are blood relatives of Israel as well. The the latter two through Abraham and the first one through Isaac. Okay? And and again, uh, we see God directing the steps of Israel so that when we pick up in verse 24 of Deuteronomy chapter 2, now the Lord's position about Israel engaging the peoples is going to change substantially. So we pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 24. Arise, set out, and pass through the valley of Arnon. Look, I have given Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land into your hand. Begin to take possession and contend with him in battle. This day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the peoples everywhere under the heavens who, when they hear the report of you, shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. So I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon. And so Moses is now going to... Recall the the um, the story in Numbers chapter 21 about how Israel went to war with Sihon, king of the Amorites. So verse 26. So I, Moses, sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will travel only on the highway. I will not turn aside to the right or to the left. You will sell me food for money so that I may eat and give me water for money so that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as the sons of Esau who live in Seir and the Moabites who live in Ar did for me until I cross over the Jordan into the land which the Lord our God is giving to us. Verse 30. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, was not willing for us to pass through his land. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate in order to deliver him into your hand as he is today. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to deliver Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to occupy that you may possess his land. Then Sihon with all his people came out to meet us in the battle of Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. And we defeated him with his sons and all his people. 
So we captured all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, women, and children of every city. We left no survivor. We took only the animals as our booty and the spoil of the cities which we had captured. From Aror, which is on the edge of the valley of Arnon, and from the city which is in the valley, even to Gilead, there was no city that was too high for us. The Lord our God delivered all over to us. Only you did not go near to the lands of the sons of Ammon, all along the river Jabbok, and the cities of the hill country, and wherever the Lord our God had commanded us. So, if you remember from our study in Numbers, uh, here on the east side of the Jordan, the Israelites defeated two kings. The first of those kings was Sihon the Amorite. So again, go back to verse 24. You see Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon. So this is Again, very significant, tying the entire Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible together, because the Amorites are explicitly listed all the way back in Genesis chapter 15 and 16. The reason for the 400 years between the time of Abraham and now this time when the Israelites are moving up the east side of the Dead Sea and the Jordan, the reason for that 400 years is because the sins of the Amorites are being filled up. You can see that in Genesis chapter 15, verse 16. And so now the Israelites are the instrument in the Lord's hand to bring judgment on the Amorites. Okay? And and it will uh, result in the defeat of the Amorites, including Sihon, the Amorite king, who lives in a city called Heshbon. And that is essentially this here... Um, if you're looking at a map, uh, the northern portion of the Dead Sea where Reuben is settled and also this portion of Gad. So this is where the Israelites are moving here. They are not to go into the land of Ammon to the east. They are to go north along the Jordan River. And this first defeat is of Sihon, king of the Amorites. You can read about that in Numbers chapter 21, verses 21 and following. And we see here that originally, and this is in the original text in Numbers chapter 21, that the Israelites offer terms of peace to the Amorites. They don't go in and uh, with their swords blazing, but instead they offer Sihon, king of the Amorites, terms of peace. Let me just move through on the king's highway, and you sell me food, and I'll pay for it. You sell me drink, and I'll pay for it. And of course, the precedent for that is the fact that they had recently just come through Edom and Moab, and so there was no reason for Sihon to believe that the Israelites had any nefarious motives in moving through his land. In fact, they were very explicit. We're just on our way to the land of Canaan. Of course, this is all in God's plan. And we see here actually a little bit of new information in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 30, because it's abundantly clear in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 30, that the Lord God hardened the spirit and made his heart obstinate. That is the king uh, of the Amorites, Sihon. Okay, so it was the Lord who brought this to bear, and it was because the sins of the Amorites had been filled up, according to Genesis chapter 15. And so, 
And uh, we talked about this back in the numbers study. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it at length now. Specifically, uh, verse 34, Moses says, We captured all his cities at that time and utterly destroyed the men, women, and children of every city. We left no survivors. So back uh, in that study through numbers, we talked about the nature of holy war and the justification of holy war. Again, I don't want to go into all the details uh, now. Uh, We could talk about that maybe after the recording if you'd like. The other thing that I want to point you to here, I want you to see in verses 33 and 36, Moses is very clear that the Lord, our God, the God of Israel, delivered Sihon over to the Israelites. He says that in verse 33, and he says that in verse 36. And the reason why that is so important is because remember where we are. We are on the cusp now. We are less than weeks away from the Israelites being commanded by the Lord God, the covenant God of Israel, to head west across the Jordan River and to take the land of Canaan by force, the land that he had promised to Abraham. This statement in verse 33 and verse 36 is intended to instill confidence in the Israelites that no matter whom they meet on the west side of the Jordan, the Lord their God is with them and he will deliver to them their Enemies. Okay, so these are statements of confidence for Israel and for Joshua as their leader. All right, Sihon was a big guy, and we will see in Deuteronomy 3 Og, the king. Uh, in Bashan was an even bigger guy, right? And you remember in Numbers chapter 13, the spies went into Canaan. They saw big people there and they were afraid. God is saying to them, do not be afraid. I am with you. I will deliver you, right? So these statements of great confidence that the Lord is trying to instill in his people whom he has called. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 1. You can uh, go back to Numbers 21 uh, in verses 33 and following to see uh, the defeat of Og, which we will read again here in Deuteronomy 3, verse 1. Then we turned and went up the road to Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, with all his people, came out to meet us in battle at Edrei. But the Lord said to me, Do not fear him, for I have delivered him and all his people and his land into your hand. And you shall do to him just as you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived at Heshbon. And so now we see in the map that's in front of you, we see Israel again continuing to move north up the Jordan River, past uh, and, and near the Sea of Galilee. Right? This is what's happening up here now. The Israel is moving up to take over this land of Og, king of Bashan. Verse 3, So the Lord our God delivered Og also, king of Bashan, with all his people into our hand. And we smote them until no survivor was left. And we captured all his cities at that time. And there was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the regions of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these were cities fortified with high walls, gates, and bars, besides a great many unwalled towns. And we utterly destroyed them, as we did to Sihon, king of Heshbon, utterly destroying the men, women, and children of every city. But all the animals and the spoil of the cities we took as our booty. Verse 8, Thus we took the land at that time from the hand of the two kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan, from the valley of Arnon to Mount Hermon. So, the valley of Arnon is down here. And Mount Hermon is up here in the north. 
Okay, and so that is the tract of land that we're talking about here in Deuteronomy chapter 3. In verse 9, there's a parenthetical. Sidonians call Hermon Sirion, and the Amorites call it Sinir. All the cities of the Tableland, and all Gilead, and all Bashan, as far as Selika and Edrei, cities of the kingdom of Og of Bashan. For only Og, king of Bashan, was left of the remnant of the Rephaim, that is the giants. Behold, his bedstead was an iron bedstead. It is in Rabbah of the sons of Ammon. Its length was nine cubits, and its width four cubits by ordinary cubit. So we took possession of this land at that time. So I'm going to stop here for a second. So let's talk very briefly again about the the uh, defeat of Og by the Israelites. Again, you can see in Moses' recounting of these events, he's trying to instill confidence in the Israelites. I have delivered him, verse 2, and in, in all his people and his land into your hand. So their trust is not in themselves, but it is in the Lord. Verse 3, so the Lord our God delivered Og also. And then in verse 4, recounting all of these things, and we captured all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we did not take from them. Sixty cities, all the regions. And verse 5, all these were cities fortified with high walls. Again, you can hear Moses just as desperately as he can, trying to instill confidence in the Israelites that if they will only trust in their God, they will be able to go into Canaan under the leadership of Joshua and they will be able to take the land that God has given to them that he had promised to Abraham. That's what he's trying to do. And even in this parenthetical, look at verse 11 again, talking specifically about Og, king of Bashan. So, he sleeps in a bed that is nine cubits long and is four cubits wide. Now, traditionally, a cubit is a foot and a half. So, nine cubits long is like a bed that's 13 and a half feet long and it's six feet wide. Right? And again, Moses is telling them, he's reminding the Israelites that Og, the king of Bashan, was a giant. And yet he and his army were not able to withstand us because the Lord our God was with us and the Lord our God delivered us. That is what he is trying to do here in this final address that he is making to the Israelites before his death. Verse 12. So we took possession of this land at that time. From Eror, which is by the valley of Arnon, and half the hill country of Gilead, and its cities, I gave to the Reubenites and to the Gadites. And the rest of Gilead and all Bashan, the kingdom of Og, I gave to the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argob, concerning all Bashan, it is called the land of Rephaim. Now, I'm not going to read the, la- the rest of the parenthetical there. That's not the point. I want to point you to the map. Again, if you have a map in front of you in your study Bible. But the, again, these are the regions that we're talking about here. Reuben and Gad are given control of the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, which on this particular map that I'm showing in front of you is called East Manasseh, is given to uh, if is was given uh, after the defeat of Og, king of Bashan, king of the Amorites. And so this is the entire tract of land that this new generation of Israel has now taken over and now has been granted to two and a half of the tribes of Israel on the east side 
of the Jordan River. And we have talked about this before. I just mentioned briefly again. The reason why this is necessary is because if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, such an important chapter, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, God promises Abraham that he will not only give him the land of Canaan, which is here on the west side of the Jordan, you can see with all of these other nine and a half tribes, but he will even give him the land up to and including the Euphrates River. And so that is where this half-tribe of Manasseh is spreading out to. The, the Euphrates River is just off the edge of this map up here, and that land has been given by God from the Amorites to the Israelites. That's what we're talking about. And you can see in that, that uh, parenthetical, and then picking up in verse 15, and to Machir I gave Gilead, and to the Reubenites, and to the Gadites I gave from Gilead, even as far as the valley of Arnon, the middle of the valley as a border, and as far as the river Jabbok. That's right here. Again, Reuben and Gad on your map, the border of the sons of Ammon. And then in verse 17, the Arabah also with the Jordan as a border from Chinnereth, even as far as the Sea of the Arabah, the Salt Sea at the foot of the slopes of Pisgah on the east. Right? So again, here on the east side of the Jordan River and, and to the northeast of the Dead Sea. That is the land that's being discussed right now. Picking up in Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 18. Then I commanded you at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess it. All you valiant men shall cross over armed before your brothers, the sons of Israel. But your wives and your little ones and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in your cities which I have given to you. Now, I'm going to stop here, pause here. Moses is speaking here, the you in verses 18 and following are the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh that is on the north side of your map right here. This is who Moses is speaking to. They are not to stay in these lands that they have taken over, but they are to join forces with their brothers, the other nine and a half tribes of Israel, and they will pass west across the Jordan River, and they will help their, their brothers, the other tribes of Israel, to complete the conquest of Canaan. And when the conquest of Canaan is complete, they will then pass back east over the Jordan River and go back to the land that Moses and God has given to them. So that is who is being spoken to here in verses 18 and following. And you can read about this back in Numbers chapter 32. Again, in verse 18, Moses speaking, Then I commanded you, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh at that time, saying, The Lord your God has given you this land to possess it. All you valiant men shall cross over armed before your brothers, the sons of Israel. But your wives and your little ones and your livestock, I know that you have much livestock, shall remain in your cities which I have given you, until the Lord gives rest to your fellow countrymen as to you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God will give them beyond the Jordan. Then you may return every man to his possession, which I have given you. Verse 21. And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Again, this installation of confidence into the sons of Israel. You can just hear it again and again. I do want to um, 
point to you. Verse 22, this is so important. Moses says to Joshua, Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. I don't believe that I mentioned it last time, but I want to mention it here. If you just turn back a page to Deuteronomy chapter 1, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30, This is the first time, again, that Israel, that first generation of Israelites, is is, um, on the edge of Canaan. Deuteronomy, verse 30. Actually, I'll pick up um, in, let's remember, in verse 26, the Israelites were not willing to go up. They rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go up? Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, that is the spies, the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of the Anakim there. These are very large people. Verse 29, Then I said to you, Moses speaking to the Israelites, do not be shocked nor fear them. Verse 30, The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And so I want to tie Deuteronomy 1.30 not just to Deuteronomy 3 verse 22. Your God is the one fighting for you. But this is so important. I want you to keep your finger there in Deuteronomy and go back with me to Exodus chapter 14 please. Exodus 14. Because Moses... Is, is repeating something that he's already said to them. The Israelite, that first generation of Israelites should have known this already in Exodus chapter 14. So, so important. So in Exodus chapter 14, the Israelites have been brought out of Egypt. They have been rescued to Egypt and they are coming up now out of Egypt and they come to the very edge of the Red Sea. And Pharaoh, he comes to his senses and says, why did I let all these people go? So Pharaoh now gets his army of chariots and in Exodus chapter 14, he's in pursuit of the Israelites and he sees that they're hemmed in at the Red Sea. Okay, they're hemmed in at the Red Sea. And then in verse 10 of Exodus 14, And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to Yahweh the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And so we see the beginnings of this grumbling and complaining from the Israelites, this unbelief. But then in verse 13, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent, which is exactly what he did. The Lord moved behind the Israelites. He shielded the Israelites from the Egyptians. He parts the Red Sea and allows the Israelites to go through the Red Sea on dry dry ground. When the Israelites get through the Red Sea, the Egyptians follow. Of course, you know the story. The Red Sea collapses and the Egyptian army is utterly destroyed. Exodus 14.14 
the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30, Moses says the same thing to that same generation of Israelites that is on the verge of Canaan after being brought out of Egypt. Deuteronomy verse 30, picking up in verse 29 of, of chapter 1. Then I said to you, do not be shocked nor fear them. Don't fear the Canaanites. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight on your behalf just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. That is Exodus 14, 14. And we see that same word of exhortation here in Deuteronomy chapter 3 as this new generation of Israelites is once again on the border of Canaan. Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. And I, Moses, commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings. So the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. Right? And this should bring not just the Israelites and Joshua great comfort, but this should bring us great comfort. I mean, I hope that what perhaps is ringing in your ears is Romans chapter 8. If God be for us, who can be against us? So be comforted tonight, Christian brother and sister, because God is on our side because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should rejoice and be comforted in that. Let me finish out Deuteronomy chapter 3 and pick up in verse 23. Moses speaking again. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time saying, O Lord God, you've begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as you? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country in Lebanon, But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, Enough, speak to me no more of this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah and lift up your eyes to the west and north and south and east and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of this people And he shall give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. So we remained in the valley opposite Beth Peor. And so as we close out Deuteronomy 3, we see here Moses, uh, a bit of an autobiographical um, story where he pleads, verse 23, with Yahweh to, uh, in in, um, essence, recant uh, what Yahweh had already told him. And, uh, you know, why, why does God do this? I mean, we, we have seen over and over again Moses as um, the great intercessor for Israel. Uh, for example, um, Moses interceded for Israel back in Exodus chapter 33, just as one example, uh, after the golden calf incident where God wanted to destroy the Israelites and, and Moses pleads for Israel and God recants and he relents. Um, and so, uh, it is not unreasonable for Moses um, to do the same on behalf of himself. He pleads for himself. His great desire 
um, is to see the promises that God made to Abraham fulfilled in the conquest of Canaan. Uh, Moses is 120 years old at this time, and he says in verse 24, um, uh, he says, yeah, in verse 24, that you have you have only begun to show your servant your greatness and your strong hand. Um, and But we see here at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 3, we know how this particular story ends. Uh, God says to Moses, no, and we have talked about this uh, on multiple occasions, uh, why, why that is, why it was so important for Moses, who represents the law, to not be the one to take the Israelites west into Canaan, but instead Joshua, or Jesus, if you will, is the one who ultimately brings God's promises to fruition. And we see in verse 26 of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 3 that the Lord finally says uh, to Moses, uh, don't talk to me about this anymore, but he allows Moses to go to the top of the mountain to see the land from afar, but not to go into the land that will be under the charge of Joshua. And so Moses is here commanded in verse 28 of Deuteronomy 3, charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. And that is what we have seen Moses doing again and again, in, um, especially here in Deuteronomy chapters 2 and 3. And as we move our way through Deuteronomy, we will see these exhortations and encouragements to Joshua and Israel again and again from the lips of Moses as he fulfills his final charge to encourage and strengthen Joshua on the verge of the conquest of Canaan. So, Lord willing, next time we are together in Deuteronomy, we will pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 4.